This is nothing but controversy. What's up, guys? Hey. Hey. And welcome to episode 51 of the Nothing But Controversy podcast. It's great to see you guys. First off, before we start, uh, yeah, I'd like to congratulate the four of you. I believe you wrapped up your school year today, or school semester today. Oh, one more. One more. Finished Finished exams. Okay, finished exams. Love to hear it. So congratulations, boys. Here's to a great holiday break. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Shane, hope you can make it home soon. Oh, yeah. That would be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, listen, we are officially 62 days away from the Super Bowl. Two months. Two freaking months. Hey, Liam, it's uh, it's nice to hear you speak because this is is your last day being 21 years old. My goodness. Believe it or not. So, uh, coming, coming up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah. Anyone uh, watching this, go ahead and uh, stop what you're doing. Pause the video. Go wish our boy Liam a, a happy birthday. We'd all appreciate it. You are the man. Thank you. Uh, a lot of things happened this week. We're going to talk about a few things. Um, the first topic, though, we're just going to jump right into, and that's that's the NFL. Like, a lot of stuff's going on. About 36 people tested positive for COVID today. Alone. 37. 37. Oh. That's ridiculous. I don't get how the fuck that happened. Said it last week, but, you know, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to bring up straight away. Only I really have one thing to say. So, someone uh, someone bring up something they uh, they want to go with. I, I think we all saw it by now. I think it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, there's two angles to this, but um... – Let's just get it get it out there. There's an elephant in the room. Urban Meyer, that report that came out. Um, how many? They have two wins now. Yeah. One of them was a nine six win against Buffalo. Wait, uh, am I missing something? What's the report? Oh, you didn't hear about this? You hear this? Okay, so I don't know. I don't remember every single detail about it. I remember the, the well. The one thing that's been sticking with everyone is like he he like believes his like assistant coaches are losers and he. He challenged their resumes in a meeting. Um, like, he gathered all the coaches and was like, First them to, like, back up. To prove from, you're a winner. Yeah. Like, how have, what have they won in the past, essentially? He made them prove that they've won. Yeah. Damn. So, I was watching First Take today, and Stephen A, like, yeah, he's usually pretty funny, but today, like, he was actually serious, and I think he's right here. There's two angles to this. One of them is it's true, and he's just a shit guy. Which, like, I mean, personally, I didn't know much about him before this. I didn't know what to expect. Me me neither, yeah. Career. Or the other angle is, it's not true, which I believe, because, like, I mean, personally, like, why? Anyways, I don't know my will. Maybe I won't take a stance. But, so, it's not true, but there's enough people in the building willing to conspire against you to put out a report this egregious and have you fired for it. Yeah. I don't know what you guys think about it, but... I'm kind of... Again, I just heard about this now. I got to lean towards it being true. I think, like... I don't know. I think I could see him doing something like that. Like, he, he, 
for God knows how long he hasn't been in a position where he's gone two and nine in a season. And, you know, the pressure has been on him. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, and you know, the whole debacle at the beginning of the year, like, I'm sure he's just like fucking falling apart right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if he just like did something stupid like that, because like nothing he has done this year would prove otherwise to me. Like he doesn't seem like a great guy. doesn't seem like a great coach. Like, like an absolute dickhead. Yeah, I think I think he's in, I think Urban Meyer's in absolute shambles right now, bro. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And like, you saw it. I don't know if you guys saw it, but after the game against Tennessee, they lost twenty to nothing. He instead of he does he goes for like the, the coaches shake hands in the middle, doesn't even look Vrabel in the eyes. And Vrabel used and to be on his staff. Vrabel used to be and on. Many coaches have done that. Like I feel like that was so overblown. Like we see that like once a year at least of of a coach just walking by like pissed off after a loss. So I feel like that that video was way overblown. Like, like, if he completely avoided him, that's something. But he still did go shake his hand. Obviously, he was pissed off. I've done the same thing at at the peewee level. Like, I've, whatever, shaken hands with a coach like that, too, at peewee. So, imagine losing when you're making, uh, whatever, fucking $5 million. Urban Meyer's making your names in in reports every week. I'm in this with peace and love, but how pissed off can you be when this is your ninth loss of the year and you're fucking, like, two or fucking ten and not two? Like... Yeah. He's used to it now. Fucking shake the guy's hand. He used to be on your staff. That's what I'm saying. Like if it if like if it was just some random guy, like whatever. But like they literally used to work together. Like I don't know. It's a little bait yeah. for me. I, I, another thing too. Like I, I I ended up watching his presser. Like when when he was talking about like this report or whatnot. And then I, I and then I ended up watching like a bunch of other of his, of his pressers. And dude, and every time he's in a press conference and he gets asked about shit about his team or whatnot about his staff. He always throws like, oh, I, I don't know, like, like he's, like, bro, he's the guy in charge. Like, how can you not know what's going on with your team? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't see it. I don't see a scenario where he where he finishes the year in Jacksonville or returns. You know. So yeah, I think he'll finish out the year. I don't see a world where he's back next year. No, no way. I don't, but at the same time, I do. Like these guys had Doug Marone around for four years. It's Jacksonville. It is Jacksonville. That's a like, problem. I wouldn't be surprised if he was back. Like, in a market like New York or any big – like, imagine Dallas. Like, well, Dallas did have Garrett around for a while. But, you know, in a huge market you where you have so much pressure from the fans, yeah. yeah. Jacksonville, like, they're by far the least attended stadium in the NFL. The fans, especially now more than ever, are super disconnected from, from that team. So, yeah. Yeah, but I think there is a bit of pressure on them now too because they have the best quarterback prospect of all time, sure. arguably, looking like shit. And I think that's giving him added pressure that Jacksonville has kind of never seen. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence looks like absolute dog shit. Horrible. Horrible. Dog shit. Yeah, that O line's uh, brutal. Really bad. But didn't he say something about that O line too? Like basically saying that like they're getting paid to do nothing right now? Is essentially what he said. Yeah. What and also doing? he also stirred some shit up with the receivers. Um that was in that report as well. Marvin Jones and him got in a big fight, apparently. I mean, they, their receivers have been pretty bad, too. The whole team's been bad. But, like, so to call out one group of players on your team, I could see why it doesn't sit right, especially with a vet guy like like Marvin Jones. Like, at, at a certain point, I thought it was maybe he was, like, doing it on purpose to get out, to maybe go back to college. But now all the big schools are filled. So, like, I don't know what's happening. Like, if he was, like, oh, I'm doing this because I want to get fired, I want to get, like, the Notre Dame job, okay. Yeah. But now Notre Dame's c- covered – Oregon just got covered. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't know what he's doing anymore. 
I genuinely believe like he's just he's lost this entire team and and didn't didn't he have to like retire for a year or two because of like heart issues like when he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. dude he's never he's never been this like he's never been in a, in a shitty position like this since probably then and he's clearly fully under pressure in, in my eyes I, I I don't I really don't see him coming back I think I think that this entire locker room is lost in, or he's lost the entire locker room yeah I have to agree and listen we're speaking about coaches here like we're getting to the nitty-gritty of the season. Like, we just finished week 13. We're going to week 14. There's five weeks left. People are going to start talking about major awards. And the one major award that I just want to talk about coming back to coaches is Coach of the Year. And I think that there's a lot of great candidates. And this is not only because I picked him at the start of the year and not only because he's the Saints coach, but my endorsement for Sean Payton for coach of the year as like is, is stronger than ever. This team you has know, no, and it's still not very strong. It's not happening, but it's not happening. If, if it's stronger than ever, it went from like 0.5% chance. To me, if Sean Payton finds a way to get this, this Absolutely into not. the playoffs, he is undoubtedly coach of the year. Absolutely no, that's not, not true. I disagree Absolutely completely. Not. The Titans have used the most players in NFL history on their roster this year already. There's still four games left, four or five games left. Um, you look at the Chargers, what they were, what their record was last year. What was it four and twelve, six and ten? They were terrible. Yeah, the Saints last have been year. have been without their starting quarterback since week yeah. five. Patriots are absolutely going off. The Cardinals are going off. Look at the roster and look at the Saints roster right now. He's like, God, I'll put any amount of money you want on Sean Payton not winning the coach of the year. Like, any money you want. Name Absolutely. your price. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. We'll see. We, we'll see. He probably won't even be in, like, the top three finishes. If the Saints make the playoffs, he should absolutely be in it. That's a big if. That's, a, a, that's also a huge if. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. There was a point at the beginning of the year where I, I said, <laughs> you know what, you might be onto something. And in the last – Four or five weeks, I just for no. To me, he, he lost that race a while ago. Uh, we'll see, man. Just like going from Jameis Winston to Trevor Simeon and Taysom Hill is not going from Tom Brady to to whatever scrap you want to name, like Matt Castle. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was. I, don't know, I think that that's a, always a controversial award yeah. because. Like Especially this year, year when no one is a runaway in like team wise. Yeah. Like it could go anywhere. Like that's it. That's it. This is always one of those awards. Yeah. Okay. I have one question about awards though. How likely do you think like how much is a case how much of a case does Micah Parsons have in each of your eyes to like legitimately win defensive player of the year? Defensive rookie, he locked it up last oh, time we spoke about this, which yeah. was like six weeks That's ago. That's not even, yeah. yeah. Bro, I, I think Michael Parsons is the defensive player of the year. I think he absolutely mm -hmm. has that case. Uh, he would be the second only ever defensive rookie. I was going to no oh, okay, okay. And, and the last one, the last one, yeah, was Lawrence Taylor. So, um, right now, I think he, he's like plus 300. He's tied with Miles Garrett in betting for uh, defensive player of the year. The way he's going off, if he finishes the season the way he's played in the past two weeks, I think it's going to be him. And he gets the edge because he's a rookie and because yeah. of what he's done on a defense that has been so bad for how long? How long have we been talking about Dallas's defense 
being maybe the worst in the league or bottom, nope, bottom three for sure. Uh, and now he came in and, and it's like, I don't want to say Dallas is, is fun to watch, but like when Micah Parsons is on the field, it, it's must, must watch TV. Well, we said that at the beginning of the year, though. Like, we, we said – I didn't have Dallas drafted him. I don't think any of us did. But, like, we I knew Jack drafted him. He was a game changer. The fact that he slipped to 11 is crazy. And, and the fact is, you don't even know what position Michael Parsons is playing. Uh, on a, on yeah. any snap, you don't know what he can play. He could start at middle linebacker. And I, I saw someone say this, and I don't remember who it was, but it was an NFL analyst. And they said, if Michael Parsons purely rushes the quarterback, he'll lead the league in sacks. If Micah Parsons plays purely middle linebacker, he'll lead the league in tackles. I think it was That's Ryan Clark. Yeah. I, I, what'd you say, Cam? I think it was Ryan Clark. I saw that yesterday. Might have been, yeah. And and it's 100% true. And the fact that he's doing both these things and he's moving around that defense, he's the most versatile player right now to me on defense. And for me, that's that's why he's Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, dude, no, no one rushes the quarterback and, and like, drops into coverage like he does. I don't – like, there's there's no one in the league who, who does it as, as, as well. I would say T.J. Watt is the closest, but yeah. Micah's better. Like, he's absolutely better. Yeah. Like, I, right now, I, I don't know if it's crazy to say, but he's probably, like, the best, like, all-around defensive player in the NFL. This guy could probably play corner and lock up, lock up you know. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, he, he's locking up no, running like, backs. Like, did he not run a 43 at the combine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he did. It's fucked. It doesn't make sense what he's doing. And, like, maybe it's Dan Quinn's system. Maybe it's Dan Quinn moving him around. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know. It, it's too hard for me to, to overlook what he's doing in Dallas this year. Speaking of overlook, I just want to fucking get this out of the way. Darius Leonard is so fucking undervalued in the defensive <laughs> player of the year discussion. I'm not asking him to be plus 500. I'm not asking him to be plus 1,000. But at plus 5,000, when he has 14 takeaways this year, is insane. Insane. I'm going to be honest. Like, that's a name I didn't even think about when, the whole time we spoke about. And he absolutely should be in the conversation. Yeah, but now a lot of rankings have him outside of the top 15 for defensive player of the year, which is crazy to me. 15? Yeah, that's, yeah, they have, like, they have guys like Kevin Byard ahead of him, Trey Hendrickson ahead of him. Like Trey Hendrickson, mind you, is going off, but like he's not ahead of Darius Leonard in a defensive player of the year vote for me. There's there's a lot of guy like a lot of defensive players having really good seasons this year that like like Bobby, Matt Judon is having a fucking yeah, yeah that's true that's true Rob, Rob Quinn's going off in in Chicago I think yeah. I don't know if he's leading the league in sacks but he's up there. Um, bro, there's a lot of guys who probably you know in another year would be in the conversation. Trayvon Diggs, another guy on the Cowboys. Robert Quinn has 14 sacks. Yeah. In his, like, 15th year, not actually, but he's – No, he's old. old. Yeah, no, he's been around. How many sacks is TJ at? TJ is going to break the record this year. I don't know. He got hurt there. He's at the second half of Thursday night. It's true. It's true. He's at at 16. Wow. Watts at 16. I did not know that Nick Joseph had 14. Miles Garrett also had a touchdown yesterday, which like yeah. a strip sack touchdown. You that can't overlook that. No. Yeah, what a week! Another crazy week in the NFL. All I gotta say is I'm I'm, I'm getting tired of the Giants, boys. It, it just gets more heartbreaking every single week. And I, I know Mike Lennon was there, but, but oh, before you start, Mike yeah. Glennon, I know we've done like top five 
faces. Mike Glennon is the ugliest person I've ever seen in my life. He looks like Slenderman. Mike Glennon looks like Slenderman. He is so ugly and skinny. Like, if, if you told me he worked at Canadian Tire, like, I would believe you. Yeah. Oh, well, hideous, I, I just don't understand. Well, I understand why they keep losing because they're, they're absolute shit. They're, they're terrible. They're a terrible team. But every week, every week after the game, and, and I like Joe Judge. I, I think eventually he could turn it around. Maybe not in New York, but somewhere else. Every week, he sits there and he says he's encouraged by the performance. What is encouraging about that performance? You got embarrassed in L.A. Your, your touchdowns came in garbage time. You got embarrassed. How is that encouraging? Like, I know it's like one of those coaches things you got to say, but no, just stop. Just, just say anything else, please, because you were not encouraged by that performance, and you say it every week. So please stop saying it because it's starting to piss me off. Yeah. You think? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You sure? Yeah. Um, I was just going to bring up, bring it up. Like, I, f- I feel like there's low-key a lot of coaches who are, like, on the hot seat, you know? Like, do you, do you guys think there's going to be anyone who might be on their way out by the end of the year? Uh, like, I know Matt Rule's not doing too great in, in uh, Carolina. Nagy. Zimmer, if they blow Nagy's got to go. Nagy's, Nagy's got to go. Zimmer's probably gone. Yeah. Unless they make the playoffs, which they're honestly they're they're not even that far out. It's crazy. They have uh, such a good team. They just can't put it. I think, I think this league is in shambles right now. Like I just don't know. Like this is the first time maybe in like a long time that going into week fourteen, I have no idea what the playoffs are going to look like. Yeah. No clue. The like, Colts had a bye week this every week. I think it's so true. Like the literally- Colts had a bye week and moved up two spots in the AFC. That's crazy. Yeah. Like it's fucked. Absolutely. I was looking at it today. Like the the NFC has a couple of stronger teams, like the Bucks <coughs> and, and uh, Cardinals are all like two or three lost teams. Yeah. But the AFC, like from way stronger first, in depth. first seed to the last wild card spot, it's like a two game split. Two games. Like nine yeah. or four to oh, I think the Colts are there at seven and six now, right? Yeah. No, let let alone let alone the last wild card spot. Talk about in the hunt. Yeah, there's five that's teams, it. and then there's five teams underneath that are, that are yeah. Like that's how like, the depth of the AFC is nuts right now. Versus, yeah. and the the NFC's it's worse, but it's not that much worse. Like the teams in the hunt in in the in the AFC are are all seven and it's six. The one game difference. It's like six and seven. Yeah, it's yeah. it's. I, to, to personally, I think that the AFC is a stronger conference right now. I think the 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 stronger teams are in the NFC. Like the top teams in the NFC to me trump the top teams in the AFC. To me, right now, in the past couple of weeks, the best team in the NFL has been the Chiefs. And I think that they're completely the scariest team in the NFL now. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Right now, like that, that's the last team you want to play. Yeah. Um, the Bucks are turning it on. They're, they're looking fantastic, too. It's looking like there might be another Super Bowl rematch. The Pats are looking fantastic as well. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy, like at the, top of the, at the top of the NFL right now. Kind of, kind of going back to Liam's question, though. Uh, one name I'm kind of hearing a lot of r- rumors about, which I think is an absolute mistake, is Mike Tomlin. I don't think that's a guy that should be fired. If he's fired at the end of the year, I think teams are going to be lining up to talk oh, to him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and if Pittsburgh lets him go, I think it's an absolute mistake. Also, yeah, don't – like, Pittsburgh is such a big market that there's so many beat writers that, like, make up shit. Like, I feel like at least once a week I see bullshit that comes out of Pittsburgh that's just so not true. And not yeah. discrediting whatever you saw. Some people just, like, 
I feel like like Mike Tomlin is the only coach in the NFL like the last whatever years they haven't had a losing record. He's never had a losing record. I'm pretty sure he's been there 15 straight years. Yeah, he's been there like what, 15 years? Never had a losing season. So how do you fire a guy like that? Right now they're 500. Yeah. He's all his quarterback is also 80,000 years old. Like that's also yeah, kind of something I want to bring up. Do you think at the end of the year, if if they are eliminated, do you think we see Haskins? Like at the end of the year, if they're eliminated, like last week or two, if going into those games, there there's no chance of them making the playoffs. I don't think it would be a bad move. Yeah, I guess. But like to me, like I don't know, maybe it's Ben's last ride. He'll probably want to ride it out. You know, I don't know. I also don't think Haskins is their guy. No, but, yeah. you don't know if you don't play him. Right? Yeah, that's. I think. Yeah, but I think fair. like as much as I hate like writing guys off this early, like he is not. Pro ready, maturity no. wise, he's not pro ready. Like he, he he's be, he's he's, he's an asshole. Like, like he's just he's not ready. I don't know. I think he was so good too. I thought yeah, he, was so good. he was good in college. He yeah. was insane in college. <clears throat> but he, just that maturity level never. You know, this guy was going out partying the night before games and then, like, taking selfies <laughs> instead of going on the field. And bottom line is, I think Pittsburgh's gonna end up getting a decent draft pick. And if they end up taking a quarterback, like that quarterback is gonna be. I'm not going to say like, set up this with the same success as, like, Mac Jones in New England, but, like, getting drafted by a team like Pittsburgh, who's honestly not that bad. I don't think anyone's really, like, going to argue that they're – like, they're, 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 they're eventually going to be there. But oh, it's, they just it's, need – It's a Justin Herbert situation. Sure, like, sure. Like, they're a good team. And you getting put into that – it's the same thing with the Pats. You know, like, they're, they're a good team. Cam Newton was just not their guy last year. Mac Jones seems to be their guy right now. And it's, I think it's the same situation in Pittsburgh. If they could, if they could find a guy like Kenny Pickett, I don't know if, if Kenny Pickett's going to fall like Mac Jones did. Um, but uh, a guy like Kenny Pickett, Matt Corral, uh, I, I'm sure I'm forgetting people. So but. I said this um, to Cam last year and obviously it didn't end up happening, but what fits Pittsburgh's system was last year, a guy coming out was a guy like Kyle Trask. A guy who could sit in the pocket because he played like Big Ben. He sat in the pocket and he let the play develop. So a guy, they need to find a guy like that in the draft if that's how they want to, you know. Because I don't see Matt Corral fitting in that offense. A guy who's going to run when the play breaks down. I don't see that working in, in this offense because they've never had that. Big Ben has never been a guy who when the pocket collapses, he's going to run. He, he's going to still have his eyes downfield ready to throw. So I think they need to look for a guy like that in this year's draft. And that's why I don't want to like endorse a like a a, a flyer, but um, Bailey Zapp out of Western Kentucky is on the verge of breaking Joe Burrow's yards and touchdowns record this weekend. He, I think he's less than 400 <laughs> yards away and like five touchdowns, and that's about what he's been averaging all year. So I think a guy like that, just strong arm, but we'll see. I also like. Matt Canada is a young offensive coordinator. I think there's a reason why they did go out, like get Dwayne Haskins. Maybe he he wants a guy who can move around a little bit. I'm not sure, but it's gonna be interesting. They're gonna they're gonna have to address that position in the draft for sure. They don't have a lot of holes. They're, it's a good it's a great roster, but yeah. I mean, if Claypool stopped being an absolute idiot, that's what wow. I was about to say, man. I was about to bring that up. But they're also like just quickly before we move on. Baltimore's in six and Pittsburgh six six and one like. Pittsburgh, yeah, yeah. Pittsburgh's a winning streak away from winning the division, for all we know. So, yeah, Baltimore's are creeping up there. Too. Worse and worse every every week, if you ask me to. By the way, Lamar, Lamar went down. I don't know how serious that injury is, but I, I don't know if I'm taking. Uh, 
as good as he played against the Browns, I don't know if I'm taking Tyler Huntley to win a division for him. No. no. Especially with all the injuries they have. Before before we move on from the Steelers here, I just want to bring up um, prior to the prior to the season uh, starting. Remember how we were all talking about how Big Ben was in the best shape of his career, blah blah blah, and we we all saw we all saw him on on. They LBS on, was having a field day on Thursday. Big Ben, every every time he got hit, looked like it was going to be the last hit he took in the NFL. <laughs> he was getting absolutely ragdolled. Yeah, it, 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 it's like hard to watch. You know, you see a guy go down like that, you're like, "Fuck!" Not that I don't feel bad, but it's legitimate comedy to just like, <laughs> "Oh, bro, it was so t- Just watch him on the ground. He like rolls around like he's like Peter Griffin when he gets pushed down the stairs. You know, his arms like oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Now listen, as bad as it was to watch a guy like that, like get get beat up and stuff like that, the guy. First of all, the guy's pump fake might be the greatest of all time. First of all, I, I I don't think I've ever seen a pump fake that amazing. And a couple of his of his balls were absolutely unbelievable. That ball to Friar at awesome. the end was the best thrown ball of the game. One of That's the best the damn ball. Unbelievable throw to fit to fit it into that tight window. Hundred percent should have been a catch. And uh, I feel bad for the guy because they led an absolutely unbelievable comeback, and it would have uh, led Shane to cover. And uh, you wouldn't have to be uh, betting lines, money line this uh, this upcoming weekend. Which Let's is go. with me. One pride, baby. One pride. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, are you guys, uh, you guys done with that? Because we'll move on. I'm freaking done with that. All right. Uh, listen, we talked about it last week. We gave our predictions and stuff, but UFC 269 <clears throat> happened this week, and oh my goodness, what a card! A, a huge candidate for card of the year. Honestly, absolutely unbelievable. Um, start like the main card we're going to talk about started off with Sean O'Malley absolutely giving it to I forget what the other guy's name I think it was Pava exactly an absolute beat up like knockout amazing Uh, then it moved to Cody Garbrandt moving down to the 125 division he got knocked out by an upcoming star in that division Kaikara France Uh, the big story though has to be the fact that the greatest woman's fighter of all time Amanda Nunes got dominated and got submitted by Juliana Pena, a minus 1,100 favorite, lost that fight. And Juliana Pena shocked the world. Absolutely unbelievable. We were literally talking about it. Dawson even posted on his Twitter. Like, he literally sent us a little text. He's like, what are the odds I just put 10 bucks on Juliana Pena? And then Cam's like, yeah, you're just throwing your money away. No, but Cam said he was down. Yeah, but he's I like said he was down. And then uh, and then I was like I, I was like what are you even getting for that and stuff like that. Like we we're all laughing about it and then like as the fight went on, you kind of just stopped, like saw Amanda start to get tired. And it was uh, it was quite shocking cuz um, the last time she lost was uh, quite some time ago. Um, that uh, that division's actually going to heat up now cuz a lot of people wanted the Valentina Shevchenko Amanda Nunes 3 to happen and it would happen at 135 because Shevchenko is the 125 uh, pound champion Amanda Nunes was 135 and 145 but now she's only 145 so uh, it looks like Amanda Nunes is probably going to end up getting that rematch with Juliana Pena though so if um, if uh, Amanda Nunes she tweeted she wanted to take some time so if that was to happen then maybe uh, Valentina Shevchenko would move up to 135 and try to take that belt away from uh, Juliana Pena if that happened then uh Maybe we could get a Shevchenko Nunez, Nunez three, which would be. If I, if I'm Pena though, I don't want to get in the way of a fucking Nunez, uh, Amanda Nunez revenge tour. 
Like, no fucking way I want to do that. But that second round was also fucking crazy. It was like, it was it, there was a certain point I was like, okay, they're going to knock each other out. Like, they're going to, like, both lay a punch, kind of like stepbrothers, when one hits them in the head with a bicycle, the other hits them in the head with, like, a shovel. And, like, they just <laughs> both collapse. Like, they were both just swinging for the fences. Yeah. That was and one of the craziest is, rounds of, of UFC I've ever seen. And the thing is, you said, like, you, you wouldn't want to get in the middle of Amanda Nunes' revenge tour, and I understand that, but Dana White wants money, and that's the money fight, you know? And oh, also, yeah. Yeah, and also, um, <clears throat> even though Juliana Pena won, I would not be surprised if they had a rematch that Nunez didn't open up as like a minus 600 favorite again. Oh, for sure. Like it, it's crazy to say that she just got beat up like that, but you could tell that Amanda Nunez was just not herself. Like it was, yeah. it was crazy. Um, that being said, we move on to the main event, Olivera Poirier. Um, first, that was the lightweight championship of the world. The most loaded division in the sport right now. Absolutely unbelievable. I'll go over that in a second, but basically what happened in that fight, if you didn't watch, uh, Poirier was beaten up on Charles Oliveira in the first round. Oliveira was landing a couple body shots. Oliveira is a good striker, but he does his work on the ground and grapples. So in round two, uh, Oliveira, about the one-minute mark, was able to get him on, onto the ground and basically dominated him with the ground and pound for about four minutes. And it basically tired out Poirier. It was... Uh, it was kind of crazy to see. And then about one minute of the third round, Charles Oliveira was able to uh, secure the back of Oliveira, of uh, Poirier and, uh, and choke him out for the submission win. Oliveira now has, I think, 15 submissions. That's a lot more than anyone else has ever had in the UFC. Uh, so, yeah, uh, what I'm going to go over now is, is what, what I want to see from that division going forward because it's going to be absolutely electric to see what happens in the future because now that was – that was Oliveira's like test run. That was his chance to prove that he deserved to be the champ. Cause a lot of people thought that he just got thrown in there with Chandler. So when they had their fight, Oliveira was three and Chandler was, was four like Gaethje and, and Poirier were ranked higher, but now Poirier has that win over the number one ranked contender in the world and prove that he is the champion. So the next fight, it looks like it's going to be for the championship. It's going to be Oliveira Gaethje. Gaethje is for sure for uh, next in line. So that's going to be a crazy fight. Uh, Makachev, Dariush, three and four. They're um, they already lined up to fight in March. Um, so what I well, what's going to happen in there? That's that's a title. That's a that's a number one contender fight. So whoever wins that fight is going to end up fighting the winner of Gaethje Oliveira for the championship. Um, now that Poirier lost, it looks a whole lot like we're going to see Poirier McGregor four. That's got to be the money fight in all of UFC. Um, so what I like to see is whoever wins, this is hypothetical, but whoever, whoever wins between Poirier and, and McGregor would fight the loser of Gaethje Oliveira. So let's say, let's say, um, let's say on the same, same, around the same time of, of the winner between um, Makachev Dariush again for the championship, it would be uh, the winner of Poirier and McGregor against, let's say Gaethje lost. Let's say McGregor won, Gaethje lost would be like that. And then the winner of that would get the fight for the title shot. So to me, Everyone wants to see McGregor fight for the title because McGregor's the guy. But the only way I see him getting that, ti that title shot is by getting past Poirier again and uh, getting another, another top five win in there before even getting a chance at the title. But it's, uh, it's gonna, all that division is just absolutely loaded. It's nuts. Like, there's I'm also, like, I agree with you, but there's also no discount in the chance that McGregor just moves up a weight class or two. 
He's at like 200 pounds right now. He's at 190, yeah. Yeah, I know he's rehabbing, but like <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he could just say, let me stick my foot in another division and terrorize some people and then, you know, You're I right. don't know what kind of shape he's in anymore, but got to be easier at his age to fight a little heavier than than to go through the, the weight, like the, the cut at camp. I think you're right, too. But he's been, I mean, obviously, it's just McGregor and his tweets, but he's been yeah. tweeting. He literally tweeted, Oliveira wins my title. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. But he's got a long way to go, like you said. I completely agree. I wouldn't be surprised if he fought at, at welterweight, but, like, to me, it looks like he's just focused on being a lightweight and being the lightweight champ again, which is nuts. I mean, I wouldn't want to fight Kamaru Usman either. <laughs> Speaking of the, like, getting the upset, like, I find UFC... I mean, I'm sure they do, but they should be paid so heavily by betting sites for the marketing and, like, promotion that they do, like, in the 10 minutes before a fight. Because I was watching that, and that's why I said same when you said I want to put 10 bucks on a Dawson. Because I was, like, I watched a little, like, preview that they did for Pena, and I was, like, like the, the videos that they put before the fights, especially for underdogs, make you, well, at least personally, I don't know how no. you guys but, I'm literally like, wow, they, they have a chance. Every single time. No matter, like, even they get knocked down 10 seconds. Right before the fight, I'm like, I want to throw a bunch of money on them. Like, it's actually crazy. No, it's, yeah, it's fucked. That's why. That's the exact reason why. I got I got hyped. I was like, yeah, that was it. I was just going to win. I know. And then <laughs> I would have And I'm, like, trying to talk myself out of, like, the psychology behind it and just be like, exactly. it's like there's a reason why this fight sounds going to be close, whatever. And then. Shit like that happens and it just brings me right back in. All I gotta say though, know, if I did bet on her, she would have lost. So you're welcome. Yeah, that's it. You're that's welcome. it. All I gotta <laughs> say is that uh, Vegas made a whole lot of money that night. Let me tell you, because okay. uh, personally, me too. I even bet a bunch of underdogs. I mean, I bet I had a four-person parlay of O'Malley, Car, France, Nunez, and Oliveira, which would have won me quite a bit of money, and the one person that I would never have thought would have lost. Like, lost. Like, yeah. literally, like, I don't think I heard one person say Juliana Pena was going to win. Like, I know you said, like, I know you said in the group chat, but it was a joke. You know, like, no one actually, like, no one actually said, okay, this this girl has a chance. Like, everyone was like, this girl, it's a write-off, you know? Like, it was And it was Cam not. also said, a lot of money laundering gone wrong. Guy's yeah. trying to clean <laughs> some cash, bet fucking 300 grand on the... But I, because I bet I'm curious why guys are betting like seven hundred thousand dollars on like let's say like next week like the Cardinals to beat the Lions like why would you bet seven hundred k to win not even half of it or sometimes like you know sometimes the payout's literally nothing and it's like oh it's a legal way to turn this seven hundred thousand dollar wad of cash into clean money eight hundred thousand dollars the Lions are gonna win so it doesn't matter yes sir get to that later. Also, I'm pumped for UFC 270. This turned me – like, I was a UFC fan before, but this card turned me into, like, a fan. Dude, it's, it's going to be nuts. You, yeah. 270 might even be a better card than, <laughs> than 269. Yeah. It's literally the heavyweight championship of the world. It's, Crazy. like, it's going to be the craziest fight. And we got, like, two – like, last year's fight of the year with Figueredo uh, and Moreno going for a third time. Like, that's nuts. Who, who else is on that card? I forget. You want to watch a good fight? Watch Figueredo Moreno the first time they fought. They were in five rounds. They yeah. drew. And, like, you think Nunes and Pena beat each other up? These guys, like, I thought no, I thought they were getting wheelchaired out of there, but they were both standing. So, two dogs. It's going to be a sick card in January. I'm excited. Yeah. 
You got uh, you got Derek Brunson, who's an absolute like he's so funny on Twitter. He's uh, he's a middleweight, very funny guy. Fighting, uh, he's number three. He's uh, fighting number four. That's probably gonna be next in line for Israel Adesanya after he fights at 271 in Houston against Robert Whitaker, which is gonna be maybe fight of the year as well. Which is gonna be like I'm so excited for that. Um, but yeah, the UFC's uh, got a very bright future. That's all I gotta say. It's uh, it's a great time to be a. Fan. What the transition you're setting up right now? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> what doesn't have a f- bright future? Is the CFL. Oh. The <laughs> yeah. CFL is in shambles. Great cup happened yesterday. Great game. Great game. Great, great game. Absolutely. All time low on viewerships. Oh, just yeah. over two million. Just just over two million um, households tuned into the Great Cup. Not great numbers, but I was one of them. I was, I was one, one of them too. Probably. Probably I was not. <laughs> <laughs> but man, like uh, as good of a game it was, and like as good as Hamilton played, it's just the fitting end to the season that Winnipeg dominated the entire, the absolute entire season. Um, so congrats to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But what a game! Like Hamilton really put up a fight. Obviously, didn't help that Dane Evans went down very, very early. Um, weird injury too. He like, said, I actually saw a tweet from him today that said he he had like. He had already injured whatever he injured, and he was trying to, like, no, obviously not as severely because he was playing. <clears throat> yeah. Whatever happened, like, he got grabbed around the head there um, for whoever. <laughs> but it, it, it seemed like Masson came in and, and balled. Uh, I was looking at his stats, and it, it looked solid. I, I didn't watch the game, but he only he only he completed 20 out of 25 passes. Did he, yeah. did he throw a touchdown or not? I think so. Yeah. yeah. He threw yeah, he did. Yeah. Looked like looked like he came in and, and was serviceable. <laughs> the call by Michael Shea. To, to play the, the wind in the fourth, that was the best. Yeah. That, was, that was amazing. That was one of the best things I've ever seen, uh, just being that smart. And you kind of had that feeling that going into the fourth quarter that something was going to happen because of that wind. Yep. Yeah. And they got, like, they got the rouge on one of the kickoffs because – They got it on two kickoffs. They got two. Yeah, but yeah. he got one because it literally carried out of the yeah, back. Of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The other one was a little. The guy took a knee. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Very questionable call. A minute thirty left in the CFL, down by two. Shades of twelve-year-old Matty Ice. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But yeah, I, I, that, that was wasn't a, that was a rouge. That was a fucking safety. <laughs> I questioned why he took a knee in the end zone there, and and they would have ended up winning, winning. right? Because because he kicked the field goal, they would have won by one. Yeah. Uh, but. I disagree with, with Zach Caleros winning. winning That's what I was going to oh, say. Terrible man. call for the MLB. He was horrible. He lived the fucking three, first three quarters he played for Hamilton. Yeah. I, like, I, I don't know. But I, I thought, to, be, to me, Adam Bighill had the best game. Okay. Uh, he was absolutely a force in that game, as he always is. Obviously, one defensive player of the year. Uh, but Zach Caleros winning, it just shows that it's always going to be a quarterback that, that comes out on top. You know, you know who should have got a little honorable mention is Winnipeg's kicker. <laughs> Sergio <laughs> Castillo. I saw a thing uh, from him, too, yesterday. It was a year since he got cut from the Jets. He went one of four in a game against, I forget who, got cut, and then came to the CFL and now won a great cup. That's a pretty cool story. Good for him. And went five for five in the great cup. So. He won the game, essentially. Five for five, two rouges on kickoffs. Not 16 points right there, like. 
he might you might have been MOP uh, good MOP candidate. <laughs> Absolutely. But no, um, I, I I don't know about you guys. I'm kind of worried for the CFL. I don't think it'll ever go under, but the the viewership is just it, it's scaring me a little. I think we we've said it a hundred times. I think you got to make a transition to NFL rules. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I think it's obviously tough with the way, you know, we're used to this for the past 108 years, but the field's got to shrink. I think you got to go to four downs and yeah, that's the one thing you can't go to four downs and leave the field as big as it is now. You can't, you can't, but then you, then you'd also have to cut the players. Like, finish with like a hundred points. Yeah. Yeah. But like thinking about it, wouldn't you want to see more games like that that are like sc- you're scoring more? Especially this year, like what defensive player is going to say, "Hey, let me go to Canada where my stats are going to get absolutely blown up." What's the point in playing? I'm never going to make it back to the NFL because a lot of these guys are going to the CFL in hopes of making it back to the NFL. A defensive guy goes, he's letting up ten touchdowns as opposed to the four that he probably would have normally given up. And nobody's looking at him anymore. Yeah, but the problem with the CFL is not that they can't get players; it's about the it's it's about the fans. Yeah, quality but of if the, you move to that, the players aren't going to want to come. No, no guy is going to want to come out and be like, "Oh, I'm a DB covering, you know, the best receivers, and he's going to torch me for 200 yards and, you know, three touchdowns on a nightly basis." Personally, also, I disagree because I think the CFL is also like a last chance for a lot of these guys trying to make it to the NFL, so they're not just going to quit. Because and with the XFL um, coming back, I think they're they're definitely taking that chance before the USFL is also starting up uh, next year. So <laughs> we're seeing a lot of takeover leagues. I think the CFL is okay. Um, mm-hmm. The last thing I do want to see is the XFL merger. Um, Absolutely not. That that's that the last thing I want to see. Like uh, 108 years, there's so like, and we all went to so many Owls games as kids. Like, there's so much tradition. Like, I don't want to see my Alouettes play against like. The, the Las Vegas fighting, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want, I don't know. I just don't want it. I don't want it. Yeah, like, there's it, so it, much it, tradition in the CFL yeah, that I don't want to. I agree. And all, like, statistically speaking, like I was looking at it today, the, this year was not lower in scoring. Like this year is not, doesn't look like an outlier at all compared to the history of the CFL. Like there was, it was about low 40, averaging low 40s a game. Like, like yeah. the scoring, Okay, they're, they're, I think the problem is they're the money. They're so strapped for cash, and I know like money solves a lot of problems. Oh, but absolutely kill them. But Nick Lewis has been talking about it all year. I know we all love him, like one of the come on the, the show from our generation. But and he's been saying like, when you're not paying coaches, this is the product that you get on the field. It, absolutely, I think it has less to do with the skill of the players because a lot of guys in the CFL were great in college, um, or even university here. You know. But when you have coaches that are being underpaid, they don't want to coach here. Um, And then, like you said, I think they need a lot of young heads um, in administrative positions, like just at the higher-ups. I'm not talking about, like, 20-year-olds, but you need people that that have a vision for the league. Like, Randy Ambrose is – It's kind of come to the point point where you kind of have to hire Canadians because they grew up with this game. Like, no – no American guy that well, like obviously they have a dream of going to the NFL. They they might take that chance, but it, they'd rather be getting paid. Probably you know XFL is going to pay them more. They're going to go to the XFL. Canadian guys that that saw the vision for the game are going to want to come here, uh, and and maybe it'll help with the money. Uh, they'll take less money because it, it's a game they grew up loving. But like 
like Michael Shea, Canadian head coach, he's severely underpaid. Like Absolutely. the guy is is could easily run your team. Like Dawson said yesterday, uh, he heard that maybe Edmonton wanted to hire him as GM and coach. Like that's two jobs to to fill a role that he's going to be underpaid twice. Yeah. Like, what guy's going to want to take that chance? But I, th- okay. I think that comes back down to, to the viewership and the fanship, you know, not enough money's coming in. And, and obviously changes might help the game, you know, might help viewership, but it's, it's tough to really juggle, like keeping that, like, you know, that Canadian style, that like traditional, you know, style of football and trying to merge it, you know, with the American game. But I, I think adding four downs, you know, could, could, could increase viewership, make it more exciting. Obviously the field, the field, Bringing this, the field smaller would, would pose a lot of logistical problems like across across Canada. Canada. Exactly. Every minor like, field in Canada exactly. is 110 yards, 65 yards wide. Like every I, – so. I, Just to me, like in CJP and like high school, like or whatever, if we get football <laughs> like here, I don't know about the rest of Canada, but – well, the rest of Canada actually plays three downs in high school. But yeah. but um, like you look here, like CJP, they play four downs. Like what – the level at the pros is way different. You have four downs on a 65-yard wide field. There's going to be a lot of scoring, like yeah. a lot of scoring. So it, maybe I'm crazy, but 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 to me, I, I think the most viewed games are, are, are games that are excited, games that have a lot of points, games there's a lot of offense, you know? Like, because we don't get it a lot, though, at yeah, the pro level. I guess. What happens if every game in the CFL starts averaging 60 points? Then what happens? Nothing I think people are going to want to watch the CFL is, is what's going to happen, in my opinion. I don't think so, though. I think if you have, like, outlying games, like, remember the Rams-Chiefs games that finished, finished like, 54-51 or whatever it was? Like, that doesn't happen often, so everyone was tuning in, but... That's why it's more exciting. The average, like, 20-17 to game or 21-17 game, whatever the average score is, like, if it was 30-30 to instead, like, what like, I think I think it would also completely... Like, we already saw teams get blown out. Like, Ottawa's not a good team. No. Imagine you're giving another team that much more field to work with. Like, Winnipeg would beat them, like, 65 to 7, like, religiously. So, I think you would have to bring bring the field, make it smaller, to make it kind of like the team's close still. Because if it's – if you're giving Winnipeg's offense that many chances to score with the best defense in the league, like, it's going to be blowout central in – almost every game. Yeah, like Liam said, logistically, it's it's really almost impossible. No, yeah. But my question is here, like, there's obviously an issue with the CFL, and other than fans, because we are fans, I think we can all say, like, personally, I did not watch as many CFL games this year as I did in 2019 and compared to when I was a kid. Yeah. Like, what do you guys think the issue is? And not talking about, like, like, why are you guys not watching as many games? Is it because there's not four downs? Like, or is it because... You know, like what's what's the issue, and that's why I find like I can't point to anything. I think I it's pretty at least four downs, though, and I don't disagree with the fact that like I, or the possibility that it could bring in more people. I don't want to completely like write that off, but no, I don't know if that's me, a like, surefire solution. Yeah, there's no game this year that I was like, uh, I'm not gonna watch because it's three downs, or I'm not gonna watch because they're not scoring enough. Like we saw <laughs> at the beginning of the year, like we all got together and watched Al's games, like on numerous occasions. But I think, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but the NCAA and the NFL have been so freaking good this year that yeah. the CFL instantly turned into a third option for me. Like, for me, NFL was probably always one, but, like, CFL, for me, I know for Cam and 
know, Shane, it's going to be different, but NCAA and CFL was a toss up. Like if the Owls were on or if, you know, like whatever Bama was playing, I'd, I'd probably turn on the Owls. But for me, the NCAA is just so good that think, this year that I had to. I think for me, it, it, it's the schedule. Like I was going to say that too. That NFL too. Has, has one day or whatever, has, has their big day on Sunday. College has their big day on Saturday. The CFL, it's like one game Thursday, one game Friday, one game Saturday. And then we had Tuesday, Wednesday games this year. Yeah, like, like I don't understand what – Three games in 11 days, like, come on. It, it doesn't make sense to me. Oh. Uh, so maybe if they did, they put, you know, let's say every game I, – I know it's hard to say, every game on Friday, let's say, you know, maybe that would get people to sit down and be like, okay, there's no – This is the CFL day. Like, Yeah, yeah. And, and, and there's no – well, there is college, but there's like one game on, on Friday nights, and it's like small schools, right? So, yeah. Maybe this is our CFL day. And another thing is their playoffs. It's on Sundays at 1. I don't understand. Every year it's the same thing. Do you really think you're going to compete with, like, with the NFL? No. It doesn't make Get sense. Get the people from those cities to tune in. Like, like you know, yeah. Winnipeg and Saskatchewan are playing. People from Winnipeg and Saskatchewan will tune into that yeah. game. But the rest of Canada, probably not. Like, I'll follow the score for sure. Like, I'll, I'll keep checking what the, like, score updates, who scored and, and that. But I'm not going to turn it on. I'm not going to watch it. No. Like, you're trying to compete with the NFL. I also yeah. think – Shane, you're also, like, an avid sports <laughs> fan. Like, you know, like, like, a fan like you is not the problem. The problem is football fans that just don't yeah. watch the CFL at all. Like, they just don't watch it anymore. You know, like, you, you actually pay attention. You watch some games, but, like – like if, if the CF, if the CFL could have a bunch of fans like you, like the CFL would be fine. But, but the there's problem- always been this stigma. Yes, that I, I personally hate that the CFL is bad football. The players in the CFL are bad rejects. Like that's not true. Players in the Aside CFL are so this year, that is completely not true. Absolutely, no, but, but not not for nothing. Again, every single player on the Ottawa Red Blacks roster is a fantastic football player. I'm not saying who's together, watching the Jags this year, other than Jags fans. Exactly. I'm not saying together they produce good football, but again, everyone on the Jags is a fantastic football player. Yeah, I, I think and, one more one more thing with the CFL is I think the the fact that like COVID messed up their schedule so bad this year, and I think you can still point fingers to the top of the the CFL like in general. Someone's fucking the dog up there, but. Like, no, but seriously, like, yeah, there's no reason for the season to have started as late as it did. Um, then you had to cut to 14 games, and then we're this late into the year. Like, I guarantee there's people watching Bears Packers and, and like, or started with Bucks Bills and then went to Bears Packers and sort of tuned in into the Great Cup. Yeah. And it reflects, like, it's reflected mm-hmm. in the viewership number. So it's just, it is really sad. I hope next year we're back to like completely the, the, the old schedule. I do like the idea of establishing one day, though. Yeah. All right, yeah. CFL, you heard it here. This is this is your uh, new plan. NBC's taking over, and uh, we're, <laughs> we're designing the CFL from now on. One million dollars a year for the crew will be the co-commissioners of the CFL. Love it. I'd be down. Tell us where to sign. Wouldn't be opposed to it. Absolutely not. But Neither. hey, we're speaking a lot about Canada, and uh, we're in December. We're getting oh, through December. Even with a bright future. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Let me tell you. I'm just going to get comfy because Shane's oh. going to just talk a whole lot. <laughs> Let me tell you that in Canada, maybe if you're listening to this in, outside of Canada, maybe you don't understand, but in Canada, it's quite the tradition. There's the greatest tournament in the world. That on Boxing Day, the World Junior Hockey Championship begins. 
And any Canadian hockey fan treats it like it's the Olympics. Treats it like it's the greatest, ter- it's like it's the greatest hockey time of the year. Unpopular opinion? N- not, not unpopular. Hot take? I would take World Juniors over Olympic hockey. I love I the World not. Juniors, man. Absolutely. I, would I love the World I'm with Juniors. You. I'm right with you, Dawson. Right it's like, with you. it's like college football over the NFL. Like, yeah. Honestly, most weeks, I'd rather – if I could only choose to watch college football Saturday or NFL Sunday, I just – Weeks where I'd only watch college football. I just feel like there's more emotion in World Juniors than there is in the Olympics. They like, have so much more to lose. Like, that's what it is. Like, these, these kids are yeah. – like, like uh, that's why I would take it over the Olympics. I love the World Juniors, but there's no there's no way you could tell me you'd rather see the World Juniors <laughs> than, than to watch Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, and guys like that all playing together. That's the really the best they hockey. Get, they've yeah. never played together. Yeah. Second of all, they might not even do it this year. So yeah. when I once you guys I want to talk about that, we understand can... what I mean, though. It's the best. Well, once I see it, then then maybe we can have that yeah. discussion. But I haven't seen it, so we can't have that discussion. Oh my god! But anyways, seems corrupt as fuck right now, bro. I I really <laughs> not really invested into that right now. We'll see what happens though. But yeah, go ahead, Shane. I know you want to talk about. Oh, take the floor, sir. I'm, I'm not just gonna do this by myself, boys. Uh, I'm gonna let you guys go crazy first. And what a stack team! That's all I have to say. What, what a fucking yeah, stack team! We're gonna th- this team right now has three, probably three years of first overall picks on its team. In Owen, uh, Owen Power, Shane Wright, and Connor Bedard. Like, dude, all all seven defensive and drafted. All forwards drafted, but the next two first overall picks, or you know, supposed. Arguably, this is insane. This team is 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 insanely stacked. Yeah, uh, and a hab on there. One thing I'm interested yeah. in seeing, and like I'm not a hockey coach and uh, whatever, but all D men are left-handed. I find that so cool. Like, it could pose problems, I guess, down the stretch, or whatever. But they, I was watching uh, Sports Center, and they said like. The, the left-handed guys that are playing on the right side are all super comfortable playing the right side. So I guess, I mean, if there is anything to worry about, I guess that was one of them. One of them, but now forget about it. Like this team is going to be insane. I I, th- I think for this team, it's it's, it's, a, it's a, just a question of chemistry. If 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 they get it going, they're, they're going to win every game. Like it's, it's literally almost a lock for them. I feel yeah. like you have so many that chance. Yeah, I feel like you just have so many guys that like. Okay, if Bedard's off, Shane Wright's gonna score 17 goals in tonight. Like you know, and if he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't play well. Then someone else. Like, there's just so you look like right down the roster. There's so many guys. <laughs> it's actually. Nice. It's just like there's guys on this team that nobody's even talking about that could literally pop off, and people would be like, "I'm not surprised that he popped off." Like, there's guys. Uh, could literally be the 13th forward going in and end up on the first line in Logan Stankoven, who is, he's literally Brandon Gallagher. Like you guys are literally going to fall in love with him watching him in the world juniors. He's the guy I wanted the Habs to draft in the first round this year. Obviously they went somewhere else, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he fell in the second round. I uh, went to Dallas. So <laughs> Boys, we're going to get to see on a team, like potentially most probably Three for first overall picks in a row on the same team. Yeah, I also yeah, said, that five, said that five minutes ago. Like that's that's unbelievable. Like yeah, it was also crazy when I said it five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I strongly believe that that uh, Canada has the guy that's that's going to win uh, the MVP in this tournament, and that's going to be Cole Perfetti uh, coming <laughs> back from his second year. Uh, right now, everything I've seen, it's been him or Gooley who's going to be the, the, the Canadian captain, and I don't think you could go wrong with, with either one of them. Uh, Craig Button went off about Caden Gooley being the captain. He thinks that should be the choice, which, you know, that's, that's great for house fans watching. Um Canada kind of has this thing that they've done over the past few years with their goalies that they bring back a guy that was the third goalie last year yeah. and he becomes the starter. So right now, uh, Garant yeah. is, is, is slated to be the starter. Uh, to me, I think Sebastian Kosa needs to be the starter. That guy's a first pick this year. Sorry? That guy's a fucking beast. Absolute yeah. animal. He, like he was it. he was a first round pick this year by Detroit. He was the first goalie off the board in this year's draft. I think they're gonna ro- go in rotating goalies and and see who who rides the hot hand and who who's gonna get you to that gold medal game. But um, Canada, it, it's pretty weird to say that Canada's got the best odds when they might only have the third best goalie in this tournament because that's how good their team is and and. Uh, I think it's going to be a Canada against either Sweden or, or Russia gold medal, depending on – to me right now, I think, I think Sweden's that favorite out of that group. But it just depends what Yaroslav uh, Askarov we get. I was going to say he's back for the third year now, right? He's back. And, and this guy is the best goalie prospect in the world since Carey Price in 2005. Yeah. Like, well, we've seen him in this tournament stand on his head. And then last year he was a little – Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like, we don't know which one we're getting, right? So if we get this guy who's playing in the KHL this year, that's got like a 950 save percentage over this year, Russia's probably letting in less than one goal a game on average. And, and we're going to see Russia, Canada again in the finals. If not, Sweden's got such a great team, man. It's so deep. And their goalie, Jesper Wallstedt, was also a, a first round pick. He was the second goalie taken in this year's draft by Minnesota. He was there uh, last year too, no? Yeah. Yeah. But so, I think he was a ba- he was more of the number two last year, I think. Yeah. I think they had like yeah. they were like big on swapping goalies last year. That's that's the thing is is a lot of teams swap goalies and that's not really something Canada or Russia has really done. So it's gonna be interesting to see if Canada does go that one goalie and if Askarov does get tired throughout this tournament. Um but another thing I'm interested to watch is Finland. They've got 10 underagers on their team. 10 guys draft eligible Crazy. in 2022. I don't remember the last time that that's happened. Like, it's, except for, like, maybe Denmark or something. But, like, not a team as big as Finland. I find uh, Finland one of the most fun countries to watch in international tournaments. Like, no matter what it is. They, they have so many guys that just, like, I don't know. They just – it's, like, a different type of skill, the Finns, I find. Yeah. Like, quick, great hands, like. Uh, and they always sneak into a bronze medal game. Always. And, and I wouldn't even be surprised if, if they were, you know, that, that fourth team. Yeah. I don't really like the States this year. Uh, the States have been good the past couple years, and they've had solid goaltending. You know, they've had Primo. They've had um, Spencer Knight the past couple years. So they've really relied on that. This year, they don't really have that guy. Obviously, I could be wrong. It's, it's a – I didn't think Canada had that guy either last until uh, Devin Levi absolutely stood on his head for Team Canada, brought them to the, to the finals. But the States, I wouldn't even be surprised if they didn't medal or even get into a medal game. Um, Funny, because they're, they're number two uh, in, uh, yeah, in odds. They have the yeah. second highest odds. 
which is made that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see about that. But another guy that that's not getting talked about, and it's obviously because Connor Bedard is an absolute freak. But it's Mitchkov in Russia. Yeah. This guy's also 16. He's the same age as Bedard. They're going in. They're they're one and two in, in the 2023 draft. Like I said, this guy's 16, and I would is not he- bet. I would not bet against him to to win to score the more goals in the tournament. Isn't he lighting up the KHL right now too? Yeah, like he's, he's playing. Off. He's absolutely yeah, disgusting. Crazy. Like he's playing in the sports <laughs> at sixteen. Like, him and Bedard are, have been tied together since they were fifteen, and will be until they retire from the NHL. Like that's it's like one of those Crosby, Crosby Ovechkin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's essentially what it is, and they're kind of two different different players. You know, Bedard's kind of that guy who's gonna get those assists. He's going to be the, that flashy playmaker. And Mitchkov, like most Russians, he's going to snipe it from Probably anywhere. Yeah, he's going to snipe it from anywhere on the ice, and he's going to be electric. So I'm excited to watch him. He actually is the most the person I'm most excited to watch in this tournament, like, of everybody, even including Canadian players. He's the guy I'm most excited to watch because he tore up the Holinka Gretzky last year. Mm. Like, he broke the record for most goals scored with, like, three games left to play. It, it was absolutely insane. He's going to score a lot in his career, and he's going to score a lot in this two-week tournament. But if you're a Habs fan, top ten pick this year, guaranteed. It's a lock at this point. Top five unless, might be a lock, fuck. Yeah, unless Carey Price comes back and, and wins every game <laughs> he plays. But there's a lot of guys that are draft eligible that, that are playing in this year's tournament that are really, like, you need to watch. Uh, in Finland, they got two guys. They got Brad Lambert, who's, who's a right-wing center. Uh, he's, got, he's a top three pick in my mind. Uh, probably, he'll probably fall, actually. Weirdest Finnish name I've ever heard. I was going to say, Lambert. <laughs> 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 we were talking about this yesterday. I was like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I thought you made a mistake. I was like, no. <laughs> like an idiot. Yeah, Brad, Brad Lambert, he's, uh, he's, he's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes. team, team China in the Olympics has a Steve Smith too. Like, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! They also they also got Camel, uh, who's 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 a right wing, who's gonna be a top ten pick too. Uh, Russia, the guy who's gonna be setting up Mitchkov throughout this tournament, uh, Yurov. He's he's a top five pick. Uh, he's a dynamite Russian player that that Montreal's probably Montreal kind of likes their Russian guys now. They went away from them for a while, uh, but. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they, they're sitting somewhere around four and this guy's the pick if he's there. Uh, and then Logan Cooley for the States, uh, a centerman. Obviously, Montreal's lacked centers for, for as long as we've uh, been alive. So a guy I got to look at for the States uh, should be their number one center. It's going to be exciting if you're a Habs fan. A lot of guys to watch. Caden Cooley, Kapanen in Finland, guys Montreal already drafted. So... So it's an exciting time to be a Habs fan, I guess. I mean, if you're not watching the Habs, if you're watching the tournament. Yeah. Two future Habs and Shane Wright and Connor Bedard. Yeah, that would be nice. Or Mitchkov. I'll take Mitchkov. I feel like have, sorry. I feel no, like no, the Habs have had like a, a nice streak of, of exciting guys in, in, in the World Juniors over the couple of years. <laughs> yeah, years. Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Exactly. Ryan Paling when he won MVP. Exactly. I think in, in that tournament, Paling was captain. Romanov was was – not Romanov won. Uh, Romanov was on the first team All Star back to back years. Yeah. yeah. 
you know, like there's been an exciting streak of guys and it's, it's there's no shortage of that this year as well, you know. So that's that's exciting to see for Habs fans. Cole Caulfield and Trevor Zegers was something to watch last year. Cole though. Caulfield was maybe the most underwhelming player in World Juniors like in yeah. the last five years. He was absolutely terrible in the World Juniors. I thought it, watching him and Zegers was so fun. Yeah, that's because Zegers made it fun. <laughs> I guess it's the same thing this year, too. I mean, Zegris is absolutely lighting it up, too. Oh, man. Calder, lock it in. Send yeah. it at the beginning of the year. I say okay. it now. Trevor Zegris. Yep. Listen, uh, I don't know if we're done with that, but listen, we're talking a whole lot about prospects, and that's a good transition to our last topic here, and that's that's the NCAA and uh, college football. And before we go on to the, the bowl games, I just got to bring it up. Like, the Heisman Trophy was this weekend, and uh, – Surprise, surprise. Uh, Bryce Young won. Won uh, quite tremendously, might I add. Um, securing, I'm pretty sure they said 83% of top of uh, possible points, which is uh, number five all time, I believe. Um, absolutely unbelievable. Um, he will be a top three pick next year and uh, absolutely well-deserved. Um, but another guy that flew under the radar was not a finalist, but ended up getting the third most first place votes um, was Will Anderson, edge rusher for well, I mean linebacker, but he he kind of looks like a guy like uh, like a guy like Michael not I'm not gonna say like Michael Parsons, but a guy who rushes. He's a linebacker. Spencer Rattler just committed to South Carolina. There wow, is. there it is, dude. Wow. Shane Beamer, I really like Shane Beamer. Like, I'll be completely honest, I really like him. I think he's gonna turn around for South Carolina. Not to sorry to interrupt you, Matt, but no, it's fine. It's fine. I th- honestly think it's a good fit. Like, and he's going up against SEC competition, so let's see what you got, Spence. Ball's in your corner. Wow. Yeah, well, listen, going back to Will Anderson, like you guys got to watch him play because to me, he was the best defensive player in college football this this year. Had forty more tackles than than Aiden Richardson. Uh, pretty sure he had like three more sacks and uh, 15 more tackles for loss. Set the record for uh, FBF tackles for loss, and uh, he's gonna also be maybe the top, the top pick next year. He's a sophomore um, next year, so that's not gonna happen. He's not a sophomore next. I'm pretty sure he's draft eligible next year for sure. He's, he's a freshman. He's a freshman. Uh, I've been looking at a lot of mock drafts, having Bryce and him go one and two, but. I could maybe I'm wrong, he's a but. Freshman, but either way, I don't think he's the best defensive player uh, right now. I think he is next year. I really like Hutchinson, bro. Hutchinson's a game wrecker. Um, played a lot. Um, I know he's a sophomore right now, but yeah. Um, regardless, um, <laughs> but yeah. Any, anyways, he uh, he got the third most first place votes uh, after uh, Hutchinson and Young, so. Uh, that's that's one big name you got to watch out for next year because he will be he's a projected top three pick right now, and uh, I think Bama's future is kind of bright because right now their sophomores are. I, I said this to you last last uh, whenever we talked about it. There's something about Alabama linebackers that always look so good in Alabama and then come to the NFL and it's like, who was this guy? How how did he was a can't miss prospect and now here we are we missed, so. He's, he's going to have to do it, I think, for another year and then another year after that for, for teams to, to not be scared to draft him. I don't know, man. I, I don't think we've ever seen a, a pro- prospect out of Alabama like this. 
I mean, Dante Idair and CJ Mosley were pretty fucking crazy. Fantastic, but they were middle linebackers. They weren't edge rushers like Will Anderson. And they're both solid linebackers in the NFL. Absolutely, yeah. CJ Mosley's been pretty disappointing. Since he signed that contract and he left Baltimore, absolutely. He's played like six games since then. Well, probably more now because he's played a lot of this year, but. Something about Bama defense, defensive players, you know, letting it up in in New England. That I'll, I'll say that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, congratulations to Spencer Rattler on his new commitment. Okay. Uh, breaking news, breaking NBC news. But uh, I told you boys I had a secret um, think fast for you. <clears throat> okay. I know Shane and Cam are going to have fun with this one. If you don't have an answer, don't put one up. I'm not going to put any up because I don't have any educated guesses. But um, I have six or seven of the, you know, the biggest names in the transfer portal right now, and I just want some of your opinions on where they're going. Right with. Well, Shane, you can just you can just let me know out loud then. Yeah, I'll I'll be doing that as well. Well, fuck. (laughs) Well, obviously, we just saw Spencer Rattler go to South Carolina. Go Cox. But uh, there's some other huge names. Started off with Bo Nix. Shane, any projections? Anywhere but Florida. Anywhere uh, but Florida. What about Central he, Florida? <laughs> I think he stays in the SEC. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see LSU make a run of him. Okay. Cam? You don't think, uh, you don't think about, about UCF and him going to rejoin him like Gus? Mm-hmm. I think he absolutely hated playing for Gus Malzahn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Did you see that last year? He was fighting with someone different on the bench every game. <laughs> that was, uh, I don't know. That's that's a hard pick. I think he's he's one of those guys where, like, again, number two prospect right behind Rattler coming out of high school. Number two quarterback. Sorry, not number two prospect at all, but um, – and now, like, he, all he's done is run for his life. He's won some big games, undefeated against Nick Saban. Funny stat. Um, but, yeah, I, I saw Nebraska today. Is he got – yeah. He's going to want to go somewhere where he's going to win, and he's going to be the guaranteed guy. That's that's where it's hard for me to think of an SEC team that's desperately needing a quarterback that he's in <laughs> Okay. I didn't think this through super well. It's going to be hard for you guys to answer. So I'll just, I'll just leave it to you. Of, of the guys on this uh, – not on this list, but of the guys in the portal right now, do you have any projections or, or hopes for where you want to see guys land? Who else is on your list? I have Cam Ward, Dylan Gabriel. Kid Cam Columbus. Ward is, is Ole Miss. I think he's locked into Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. that's what I was going to say. That's what – who else are you? Uh, Dylan Gabriel. And then – Gabriel was Ole Miss because he loved – Jeff Levy, he dipped, so. I don't know. You, I see Dylan Gabriel. I, he's, a, he's 100% crystal ball at UCLA. I was going to say, he might go I, to UCLA now, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what's happening with DTR, and I don't think UCLA is going to wait for DTR to make that decision. So I think they're going to be active in it, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if Dylan Gabriel, within the next couple of days, uh, commits to, to UCLA. Yeah. And one last one. Friend of the show. Jack Zergiotis. <laughs> Where do we got yeah, Jack? We, he, that, that's, that's like he's going to have to weigh that out himself, you know. Like, 
He has a lot of good people in his corner, you know. I'm confident he'll, he'll make the best decision for himself, whatever that is, you know. He has a lot of time, so. Absolutely. Wherever he goes, you know, we're, uh, we're hopeful for him, and uh, it's going to be exciting. Five fast, that's for sure. Absolutely. They're getting a gunslinger. They're getting a gunslinger. Wherever he goes, it's going to be exciting to watch him play. Yeah, and wherever he goes, I just hope they don't limit his fucking his capabilities like like they did at UConn. I honestly think that they just didn't use him to the best of the, the best of his abilities. Now that he's gone, fuck UConn. Sorry. Fuck you, Randy Etzel. Fuck you. I'll be actually selling all his merch on uh, on Amazon now. So you, you can't <laughs> go nuts. That's all I got, boys. Yeah. yeah. You guys good with that? Like, uh... you know, Cincy might, might a little Bo Nix to Cincy action. I can see that. I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna go out on a on a on a. Austin, lit. how do you feel about that one? As the biggest Cincinnati Bearcats fan in the world, <laughs> um, I'm cool with it. Shit, <laughs> no I can one see will ever Bo Nix. <laughs> Honestly, I know I kind of talk shit about him, but I absolutely love Bo Nix. I find him one of the most entertaining quarterbacks in the NCAA <laughs> to watch. He's so fun, but. He's, he's, he's fun to watch. I just still don't like him. I don't know why. Who knows where Wake Forest is next year? They might be in the quarterback. I mean, Sam Harmon's definitely gone. I, that offense is crazy, but I don't know what the rest of that roster is looking like. And then UNC might be in the quarterback. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if Sam Howell sat around another year. So who knows? It's, it's you never know with college football because you know you think something's going to happen, and then some guy de- decides to declare for the draft randomly and. And here we are. And also, I mean, this now, time last week, we were saying Spencer Rattler was 100% crystal ball to UCLA. And now, Dylan Gabriel was 100% crystal ball to two different teams in two days. So, like, how the fuck does that? Whoever makes these crystal balls yeah. needs to be fired. Yeah. It, 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 was it was 99%. Don't put it was literally Ole Miss. He went on a visit to Ole Miss. And then the next day, he was crystal ball to UCLA for 100%. So, just put 95. Like, God yeah, damn. I agree. But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, NIL is really uh, changing the landscape of this. Like, oh man, this maybe maybe I say this every year, but this feels like the most big name portal like 100%. in a while. But you see, like Quinn Ewers yesterday, or was huge. Let's let's get uh, your your take on that one, Cam. Uh, how how he we just sa- he just saved Steve Sarkeesian's job. Oh, 100. The guy is was he's an amazing OC like. Couldn't get it done. Their quarterback situation was absolutely horrible, by the way, too. Um, I like Casey Thompson, but Hudson Card wasn't getting it done. Sarkeesian's a great coach. He was amazing at Bama. Um, definitely doesn't have the weapons. They have Xavier Worthy, who who is a crazy receiver, also a freshman. Um, so him and yours are going to light it up. I think he just got his job saved by uh, – oh, like, like I said to you guys today, yours is going to have $5 million in the bank before he even – Takes a snap in the NFL if he ever does Crazy. take a snap in the NFL. Yeah, like he, he got one million coming out of high school, going to Ohio State in, in, in NILs, and and now he's got probably four years at Texas, three for sure, I would think. So probably let's say a million a year. This guy's breaking the bank to play at one of the biggest schools in in the country. He's an ugly hometown, though, right? <laughs> he's ugly what? and he's terrible at throwing the ball, like. Mechanically, anyways, that's not what you want to see. But man, he's like the next coming of like a back a ball, kick a ball, crazy. Yeah. crazy. Boys, 
They just announced that uh, in 2024, the Super Bowl is going to be in Vegas. All right, see you there. Oh, so, that man. is crazy. Book your fucking Book flights, boys. And, we'll be uh, at episode fucking 150 by then. Oh, <laughs> probably more than that. But uh, yeah, speaking of Vegas, that's uh, that's where you place your bets. And uh, now it's time to go into our lock of the week in terms of betting. And uh, if you didn't tune in last week, we're doing uh, a lock of the week in terms of betting every week, like we used to. But uh, now we do it with consequences. So last week, the consequence was if your lock of the week did not hit, you would have to place a ten dollar bet on the. A $10 money line bet on the largest underdog in week 40. This week it is the Lions. I believe they are plus, what'd you say, 575? Yeah, 550 for me. 550 uh, against the Cardinals. Shaner and Dawson. One pride, baby. One pride. Are becoming Lions fans this week. Dan Campbell, Um, coach of the year. (laughs) And uh, listen, um, a couple months ago, we had our first ever. NBC Trivia Night at the Pines Pub in Pancor. And it was a raging success. All the proceeds went to the CMB Foundation. Uh, Foundation is very close to our hearts. And uh, we're very proud to announce that uh, NBC Trivia Night 2 at the Pines Pub. We have partnered with them again for our second ever Trivia Night. Uh, Join us December 30th, not only for the Trivia Night, but for... An absolute rager no of a Shaner party. birthday party. No after party. And the singing performance. Don't forget. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. You got to be on the guest list for the after party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, with that being said, uh, for this week, uh, our, our consequence will be that if your lock of the week does not hit, you will have to wear a piece of clothing or jersey. Chosen by the four other hosts on NBC. So, if you see me wearing a Boston Bruins jersey or, I don't know, some team I don't like, that's probably why. So, uh, this week, my lock of the week, I'm going on Thursday, and I'm taking Chiefs money line against the Chargers. Fuck. Three-point favorite? Uh quite confident with the Chiefs right now if they keep playing how they're playing because they look unstoppable. Uh, so I think three points is uh, is good. But, uh, you know me, I'm a, I'm a bitch when it comes to betting. So give me Chiefs money line and uh, take what you want with that and run with it. Take the three points if you're feeling extra spicy. Well, shit. Matt, you kind of fucked me over there because I don't want to choose the same thing as you. But that's what I have. We, we just both look like dummies at trivia night. No. I don't want to do it. Fuck. There was another game on mine, um, and I'm just going to do it. I think it's a team that's downtrending, taking on a team that's just been hot all year. Um, Packers. I'm taking Packers money line over the Ravens, especially if Lamar's playing hurt or not playing at all. Get it now um, before Lamar's uh, ruled out. Exactly. Yeah. So you can get. I, I'm. I'm looking at right now. Money line is minus two twenty for the Packers. Obviously, I wouldn't bet on this if I'm, you know, a, a single game, you know, bet. But for the sake of the rules here and for the sake of me not wanting to wear probably a Patriots hat or something, I'm going to lock in Packers money line over the Ravens. I like it. Um, speaking of uptrending teams, 
the New England Patriots. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to this game. I'm going to go Pats. I'm taking an alternative spread here. I'm going to go Patriots plus three and a half. I could see this being a very close game. If, if, if I could see them winning as well. Who are they playing? Who are they playing? Who are they playing? I mean, Indianapolis Colts. We all know who they're playing. <laughs> LPS um, has been slamming down some Coronas during this <laughs> during this podcast. Let me tell you. Um, so I'm done. But uh, yeah, Pats plus three and a half alternative spread minus one fifty. I could see this being a close game, and so I like it. I like it a lot. I think I found another NCAA football lock of the century here. Um, I love BYU. Uh, they had a bit of coaching drama. Uh, their coach almost took the Oregon job or was supposedly in that conversation. Um, they're playing the second second place team in the Conference USA West in UAB. Um, they're sitting at 8-4. and four. Congrats on the record. I haven't heard of UAB in a few years, but um, BYU is the 13th ranked con- uh, team in the country and they're only seven-point favorites right now. Not any big-name opt-outs from what I know. Maybe Algier, but even then. Give me BYU minus seven, lock of the century. Was this UAB's first season back, or was that like? I think they, I think they were back last year, but. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, I'm going against LBS. Dana, <laughs> baby. Lock fight. Lock fight. Lock fight. I'm taking the Colts minus two. So technically, we could both still win LBS. Hey, it could happen if the Colts, you know, hit a last second field goal, win the game by three. I can we're, see we're in this together, buddy. So I'm going Colts. Dawson, make sure the boys don't let me down. I'll rile them up for you. And we're going Colts minus two to end it off, baby. I don't know why, but I feel like Shane is just going to go on like a 10 concert. Oh, yeah. Fuck <laughs> like, oh, you. <laughs> but, yeah. Hey, that does it for episode 51 of the Nothing But Controversy podcast. Like usual. Minimize this video. Give us a like. Subscribe. Go follow us on Instagram. Make the video big again now. Oh, make the video big. Now you can see and our watch Shane. And now watch Shane go in for the big smooch right now.